Welcome to The Underlay, a Clever Choice podcast, where we go inside and under the flooring industry. Welcome to The Underlay, a Clever Choice podcast, and we've got a special guest in the panic room with us today. But first, of course, we cannot forget the GM of Clever Choice, Moha Roberts. How are you, mate? Running on adrenaline today, Matt. Yeah, you've had a big, a big travel day. Yeah, yeah, well, had a big travel week. Um, so last Wednesday, jumped in the car, did my far north Queensland run, um, went up and saw all the boys up from Mackay to Cairns. And um, as passionate as I am about this podcast, <laughs> jumped in the car from Bowen yesterday mm. at about two o'clock and I've driven all the way through to make sure I was here this morning. For our special guest. Well, yes. It, so, uh, it's a big state. Oh, it's Queensland's huge. a big state. We tend to forget that. Two days and I'm still driving to get to my customers. Like, yeah. I still have not reached it. Where oh, down in Melbourne, you can be to the border and back in a day. Yeah. Um, so and yeah. go through four different seasons. It, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I've only got to go through cyclones. That's it. <laughs> okay, look, joining us today, Julie Stratford, Stakeholder Engagement Manager of Skills Insight. Very special guest, and she has made the commute from Melbourne just uh-huh. to be on this podcast. I didn't drive, though. So <laughs> <laughs> I took the easy way out. Oh, that, that's a long drive. Melbourne, yeah. to, Melbourne to the Gold Coast would be, it'd be a trek, yeah. wouldn't it? I remember, you know what? I remember it sitting in the back seat of the old 57 Chev, yeah. Dad driving and telling the kids to shut up. Yeah. It was a long drive then. Yeah, it was. Caravan on the back. Yeah, that would wow. have been. Yeah, that's a good couple of days. Yeah. Yeah, that's a stop. That's at least one stop, overnight stop. Sleep in the back of the caravan. <laughs> 57, hey? 57 Chev, Chev Dad used to have, yeah. yeah. With the one with the fins on yeah. the back, yeah. Wow. Yeah. How good is that? My nan had this amazing old Valiant that used to look like the Batmobile. Yeah. And I used to love it. And when she sold it, I was so upset. And, and yet we were embarrassed by having such an old car. Like, oh, Dad. You imagine what's that worth you know, now? Why can't you drive a Corolla like everybody else? <laughs> no, it probably wasn't a Corolla. It was probably a Toyota Crown. Crown, or it would have been wanted. a Crown, yeah. 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 But, look, I think the Chev was a step above the the combi van that was even more embarrassing. But, again, it's it's now, now they're worth now. so much money. Yeah, combis are insane. Yeah. yeah, and they're so dangerous. So trendy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> They're so dangerous. They're a tin can on wheels. My God. And yet, you know, 50000 just for a rolling yeah. shell and engine. It's crazy, you know, isn't even, it? Oh, insane. If only we knew back then. <laughs> Say it all these, the time. What these cars would be worth Say now. It but it's everything that's old is new again, right? Yeah. And it's with everything. I, I still rip into my mum about giving my Star Wars figures away to this day. <laughs> I still, I'm like, mum. Someone out there is loving your they Star are. Wars figures. They are. I'm, and I, it, it, actually, during COVID, I had nothing to do like everyone especially when we when it first started because we no one even worked right at the start it was like well we're in lockdown so everything sort of just shut down right for that first two or three weeks where we figured out what was going on and then we cleaned out cupboards and baked yes yeah annoyed each other in our families and you know <laughs> contemplated life and the big questions but I, I took up i bought a lot of star wars stuff i went back to my youth i thought stuff you mum 
<laughs> and I, and so I, is this online shopping? Yeah. yeah. So on Facebook, there are a lot of auctions. There are a lot of stuff going on. And I, and I really dived in. I've now got tubs of this stuff, right? Now I'm like, I've got nowhere to put it. I've been under your house. You have been under room. my house. Yeah, I've seen. Yeah, I've seen. <laughs> I couldn't you know, even get into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Matt, at some point, you're going to have people going through it all and throwing it all in the skip while you're lying in aged care. Yeah. Saying, Don't throw out my stuff. Yeah, Wars I know. Stuff. Well, it's funny. My son. So my son is 17, and a couple of years ago, he goes, "Can I have some? Can I have some of the? the are you going to give this stuff to me? Because some of it's worth a bit of money." And I'm like, well, yeah, eventually it'll it'll get handed down to you if I don't sell it beforehand. He goes, oh, well, do you reckon I could have some of it now? And I go, no. He goes, well, <laughs> can I have this? And then, I, and then I, I've got this old, very old, uh, it's not really worth very much, but it's a very old uh, McHappy Day Star Wars set, which is in a big cardboard box. It's all the things you've got as a, as a Happy Meal toy. There's like 12 of them. Wow. And... He goes, oh, I go, well, you can have that. So straight away he's online. He goes, oh, that's worth $300. I'm going to sell it on eBay. And I go, no, mate. I didn't, I didn't give it to you to sell it on yeah, day one. Yeah, I, I said, in fact, I'm, I'm now taking it back. Don't it's, give it's, that kid anything. No, he's not getting no, anything. No, he'd he's sell it under yeah, you. Exactly. Exactly. He just got his piece. So. Yeah, right. So now he's mobile. I'll tell you what, it's been the greatest thing of all time. Yeah. It's been amazing. Anyway, enough gibbering. So, Julie, Skills Insight. We're very big here uh, on the underlay. Because the flooring industry is an interesting one in that it's flooring's not a licensed trade and we're big on training, we're big on apprenticeships, we're big on, on, on upskilling and talking to people about that and people involved in it. Can you tell us a little bit about Skills Insight and what, and what it does? I can. I can tell you a lot about it. I love that. Absolutely. We've got all, as much time as you've got. <laughs> Let me go. Yeah. Yeah. Please do. We're, well, skin, Skills Insight has really only been officially in place for a few weeks because prior to that were Skills Impact. Um, and we've just become one of the 10 new Jobs and Skills Councils that was announced um, a couple of years ago to be developed through um, the federal government and replacing what were skills service organisations. So Skills Impact was a, a skills service organisation and we've all transitioned and become Skills Insight, Jobs and Skills Council. And same sort of space in working around the vocational education area, but um, with a quite different remit. So there's around 10 different Jobs and Skills Councils in, in the country and all addressing all the different industries. Um, so our aim is basically to support industry to skill up the workforce. You know, ultimately, we're all working towards a, a more highly skilled Australia. And, um, you know, to do that, we consult a lot of employers. We, we talk to industry associations, individuals, teachers, TAFEs, training providers, learners, workers, and generally find out what's going on, who's doing what, what's happening with the training, apprenticeships, the industry trends, where things are all heading and then work within the vocational education system to make sure that what's being taught and developed and not just in the in education but in workplaces, what's what skills are being developed are actually meeting the needs of the industry. So we've always got our, our eye on what the industry needs in five years or ten years' time so that what's being developed now in the workforce is, is going to keep us... Um, Ahead of the game, it's, it's it's funny because I guess 
education's changed so much. When I finished school in 93, right, so I'm 48 this year. Look pretty good, to be honest. You do. Yeah, thank you, Julie. If I was you do fishing say for so that. yourself. I was fishing for that. It's the beard. Uh, but I, I look at what my son does at school and the subjects that he can do at school, and, and it's changed so much. And I guess we need to keep evolving in regards to what's required, what education is actually required for people to do their jobs. I guess that's where you sort of come in, you keep looking at these courses to see whether they are on track or, as you said, on trend? Or yeah, it's, it's more industry-driven. It's, it's when, when we're finding that there's stuff happening, like, um, you know, we work a lot with primary industry as well. Um, and so when the agriculture education courses and programs starting to fall a bit behind because the digitalization of those skills is is such a big thing um you can't just be um a farmhand anymore without having some concept of how to use various digital platforms and and we need to make sure that that stuff's being taught and that stuff's being addressed somewhere so you know we we're talking to people all the time in various industries and finding what's happening and, and then making sure that that's being adopted into the system. So we actually have had, um, as Skills Insight, and in fact for the last 30 years this this entity in, in previous iterations has been working with industries to make sure that we're changing qualifications or updating qualifications to adapt to what's happening um, and, and out there in, um, in the real world. So if you were to come into our business, Clever Choice, um, we've got warehousing staff, we've got administration staff, a sales team, uh, importing team. Um, what would you What would you be looking at within our company, well, and then what would you be, I guess, offering our company? Sure. What we what we we've got the contract to look after the um, MSF furnishings training package, which includes the certificate three in flooring technology. So the issues of, um, say, sales and warehouse skills and business skills, we probably don't have a whole lot of um, jurisdiction over those fields. But certainly with the actual skills for flooring, all the different aspects of the flooring that, that are covered by that qualification, we have the contract to maintain that qualification and make sure that it's reflecting what you guys need it to be doing. So we'd be talking about what's going on with business flows and what kind of skills, you know, are people still needing to know about this type of flooring or, you know, are they moving towards this type and, and making sure that the qualification has... Has, has ways of addressing those skills. You know, so once upon a time we weren't talking about vinyl floorboards or, or resin um, flooring. And so, you know, the last iteration of that qualification that was released just last year, the organisation that had the contract just before us, yep. um, had renovated the qualification to make sure that it had all of that stuff in it, that there were options for for someone who was doing an apprenticeship in, in flooring to be able to do some of those subjects and, and get a professional um, education about how to do you know, laying vinyl floorboards or um, 
polishing concrete, whatever the yep. issues might be. So we'd be looking specifically at that field in your business and and having a, um, a chat about what the qualification is currently doing and whether it was meeting your needs. But beyond that, and this is the, the magic about the, the Jobs and Skills Councils, we've now got um, contracts to, to work beyond just that Certificate 3. We're not just talking about what's in the training package and also finding out a little bit about who's doing what and shortages of um, staff and skills and how COVID may have affected your business, those sort of things that we used to always collect that data and pass it on to government and we're still doing that. But we now will have a remit to work more closely with training providers so we'll be able to step in and help um, connect some of the um, training providers with the industry to find out more um, more directly what it is that they're supposed to be delivering. You know, we, we have had situations in the past where, um, you know, a, a, a large training provider might say, no, no, that doesn't need to change. We're right with that, thanks. And then we find out the industry's saying, but they're not teaching what I need. We don't do that anymore. We use this equipment um, but, of course, the training provider hasn't got that equipment. So, you know, if we only listened to them, yep. um, we'd be stuck in um, 1995, you know. So so we have to constantly be consulting the industry and talking to people and getting our f- face out there and so that when there are queries or issues that the industry comes to us and says, hey, this is a problem, and then we can either help resolve some of that. You know, we had an issue with... Um, there was a, a small m- mistake in the last iteration of the qualification where there were some um, mentions of the prerequisite wasn't listed um, as part of the qualification. It was just a minor change. But we, I had to then go and talk to a bunch of flooring people, talk to the um, government agencies and make sure that they got the, uh, the wording changed so that the national qualification was up to date. And so... We do that kind of bureaucratic changing or maintaining that qualification. But like I was saying, beyond that, the, the, the Jobs and Skills Council are now allowed to work more closely with the actual um, delivery side of things. We may be developing materials. We may be um, preparing training and assessment materials. Um, we could be much more um, involved in researching issues that may come up with some of the industries that we work with. Mm, it's very, very interesting. Um, we spoke last week um, with Greg Harvey on here how, like, products evolve. Um, you know, we spoke about your trip from Melbourne to Queensland <laughs> in the old 57 Chev, mm. you know, and how much cars have evolved, you know, over that period. And I guess our products and um, services, um, the way that things are made, the way that they're installed also change. So it's, um, yeah, very interesting that, you know, that's a main focus. Um, and I had no idea that, um, you know, how much work goes in behind the scenes to ensure as these, I guess, products uh, change, yeah. that then the regulations and rules are then updated. Yeah. And it's a, it's a, it is a highly bureaucratic system. You know, we, we have a national vocational education system. No, none, like the university education or primary school that's not national secondary school that's state by state or you know each university does its own thing whereas with TAFEs and with vocational training providers that's a a national system it's got to be the same 
um, rules and regulations within some allowance for, you know, choosing different electives. But, you know, the transportability of a qualification, if you study something in Hobart, get a bit of paper, when you move to Darwin, that bit of paper has meaning. Yeah. And, and, you know, sure, you might need to learn a few extra things because things are done a little bit differently in different parts of this vast country. But, um, but your bit of paper is valid and it carries – and if it's, if it's not tightly regulated, um, that bit of paper loses its power. So you, we're not the regulator. We work with regulators around um, how the training systems and the, um, the units of competency and the qualification structures and all that are, are produced – um, but but within all of that, we're making sure that the voice of the industry is the loudest. Um, so, yeah, it's a big focus for Skills Insight to make sure that we're talking to a whole lot of people, big and small, especially rural and regional area, to make sure that their voice is heard yep. and that, um, you know, that a qualification reflects the skills that you need. And... Um, and that if, if it's not around qualifications, if there's some other stuff going on that we need to start looking at, how can we influence government policy or procedures? How can we kind of encourage a program that assists somehow with all the, the skills and labour shortage issues that are happening at the moment in all industries? You know, then, then that's the stuff that we start stepping in and going, okay, so we've heard from 100 different companies this same this same story this same issue that that directly relates to skills development and to that you know that big beautiful picture of a skilled workforce uh, that we're all aiming for um, then we can start stepping in and and, you know um, magnifying that voice and and submitting through all the the layers of different governments and, and we can work more closely with some of the state governments now as well. Yeah, and and I think that's so so important. Uh, we speak a lot here about. I guess uh, we had Fiona from the FCIA on. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned you know Gary Thomas. So yeah. Um, you know it's only been probably the last five to seven years that we've really started to push um, the skilled labour force within um, the flooring industry. Yeah. At at a I guess a professional level, like it's always been there, and obviously there's been tradesmen within the industry, um, but. Traditionally, it's just been a, a glorified labourer's um, trade. Yeah. Uh, so for that to come through, and then obviously now, like you said, lobbying and connecting the different governments. Um, you know, what we're finding now is there's a lot of state policy. Yeah. Uh, so some of the states require licences where others don't. Yes. So you've got tradesmen coming between states, which are, are, are it's just so confusing. Yeah. So State by state, I mean, I'm confused by it. I, don't, I, I haven't kept up with each of the state's ways of deciding what's an apprenticeship and what's a traineeship and what's not and what's funded and what isn't and what regulation you need for, you know, that stuff, it's complex. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, you know, I very quickly would get out of date. If I did learn it today, I, you know, in a few months' time, I'd be out of date. But, <laughs> you know, that sort of stuff, um, you know, we will have more of a role than we used to when yep. we were skill service organisations and you've probably... Um, you've probably worked more closely with um, IBSA, who were looking after the qualification um, up until last year. Yep. You know, 
we and IBSA and, and the other SSOs, we didn't have much of a role to play at the state levels. And um, we're certainly engaging a lot more with the, the agencies that work with their state governments um, at, at influencing or um, just changing the way things, things are done or, or things are seen. And so, yeah, it, it, the flooring industry is really working towards having a more professional, um, skilled, qualified workforce. And, and it's something that we at Skills Insight will be you know, walking side by side with you along that journey. I think too that, um, you know, flooring industry's got a lot of highly skilled people with no bits of paper. Yeah. And um, and also a lot of labourers um, and lower skilled people working alongside. Um, and so to have people being converted into formal apprenticeships um, – that's just, um, you know, professionalising an industry and, and bringing, you know, it's, it brings a lot of skill and respect and really raises the profile of the industry. And, yes. and you know, and then hand in hand you've got that issue that I know you are talking to Fiona about um, of getting schools to start promoting flooring as a, a key option for, for children um, you know, for kids looking at, at going into a manual trade um, and not just all thinking about becoming a carpenter. Yeah, and that, you know, I've mentioned before on, on the podcast, I had both my sons go through uh, trade college and flooring trade wasn't even mentioned to the point that I went into the school and spoke to them about the flooring trade and how they offer. They had to actually go and look it up to see what it was. Mm. Um, so that was, I guess, deflating for myself um, to sort of be in the industry and walk into a trade school and they couldn't at, just off the top of their head tell me what the qualification was, let alone have any of their students actually in the trade or pushing it. So, yeah, it's it's one of the main reasons why we're trying to bring awareness um, here on the underlay, um, you know, connecting yeah. people like yourself with there the industry. Actually, um there's been 10 different training providers delivering the Certificate 3 in flooring across the country. That's nationally, 10. That's good. Um, and 1,000 student, almost 1,000 enrolments at the last count, which was um, nearly two years ago. I think um, the numbers of enrolments that we hear about are usually a little bit behind. But, you know, about 1,000 new enrolments in 2021 in the Certificate 3 in flooring. Excellent. Nationwide, um, so you know it's not it's not a tiny little niche um, course. No, well, nor should it be though. You know, I, I, sure it's not. And this is the thing: like you got your licensed trades with your electrician and carpentry and plumbing, right? Which are the three, the big three. Yeah, but there's just as much need for flooring. Well, <laughs> every every others. home that's like, built has exactly, a floor, exactly right? right. So I'm sure that every there's a referral partner there. In the three big three to a to a flooring trade, yeah. So it's it's one of these things where it's like, well, how do you get more people? But hearing there's a thousand, there were a thousand enrolments in the course is is pretty buoyant. Like it, it makes you feel buoyant about where the, yeah. the industry might yeah. be going. Yeah. Uh, and you and you're very right. Like we talk to whether we're talking to uh, uh, general managers of of uh, suppliers or, or or of resellers or or even to talking to staff at, at Clever. The the number one thing is 
talking about how there's a lot of experienced people in the industry, but they just don't have the qualification. Now, how important is the qualification? Well, I think you'll, if you ask most of those highly experienced, highly successful people without a bit of paper, they're not going to care about having that bit of paper. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of people in, um, you know, I can't speak specifically about flooring. Michael, you might be able to fill us in on this, but, you know, I think a lot of people in some of those industries learn their stuff and stick with it. You know, it's not an industry that they change um, after 10 years and go into something completely different. But but that is a trend generally. That, you know, we don't stick with the same jobs like our dads did um, all our lives. You know, I can't remember all the stats, but it's like, you know, there's four main careers that most um, people in the working world now will have. And so that changing of job happens. Yep. Businesses are closing and opening and moving and, you know, there's always going to be opportunities for people to um, to be out of work um, or to to have to rethink what they're doing and, and relearn what they're doing um, or, or learn something new. And, and I think um, if you haven't got a bit of paper um, that says, here's, here's all the skills that I, I can uh, have proven that I can do, then, you know, you are a little bit behind the eight ball with that. Yeah, and I think, you know, f- from being a general manager, employment is one of my roles. And I think, the f- or I know, the first thing you're looking at is someone's resume. Now, if you've got a dozen resumes and half a dozen of them have got a list of certifications and the other half don't, somehow you've got to, you know, break that list down. Yeah. Um, so there's definitely waiting on, like you said, when people are changing careers or uh, changing roles of, of that certification. And I think the other thing, again, you know, watching my sons and knowing a lot of tradespeople who go through and get a certification, and it could just be a certificate for in admin or whatever it is. It's not just that specific role you're learning. You're learning a learning skill. You learn you're learning learn. discipline, right? Discipline. Uh, yeah. Like there's so much yeah. you so much you do learn. Get yeah. out of, and same as school. You know, the kids yeah. come home. Oh, I learnt nothing today. Well, you learn to get up out of bed and do something. That's Correct. what they learn. You know, and, and yeah. then, you know, 10, 15 minutes later, they oh, oh, did, yeah. did this at school and rah, yeah. rah. So there's a lot of subconscious things that you learn through doing a certificate or a certification that just embeds in you for the rest of your life. And I think, Absolutely. you know, and Absolutely. that's where our flooring trade deserves that. Because as you said, there is so many good skilled labourers out there. Mm that deserve to have a certificate, that have done the hard yeah. yards, they've put in Absolutely. 20 years, the knowledge that they've got, but yet they're looked at as just a labourer. Well, I'll use, I'll use my brother as an example. So when I was 23, we worked together. We had a lawn mowing slash gardening property, property maintenance business that I sort of started and I got I was allergic to grass. Well, I'm allergic to grass, so it was never going to end well for me. <laughs> so And I'm asthmatic, so it was like, well... So I moved on and went into what became a more of a, uh, a commercial career rather than manual labour. And he continued on. Now, he left school when he was, it was in year 11. So he was 16, I think he was. So he ran, he's run this business. He's now uh, 41. He's run that business since he was 17, essentially. And he's done, he, he well, obviously he can mow a lawn, but he can do paving. He can do turfing. He can do he can do absolutely everything to do with a landscaping 
He's a landscaper and he's a tiler and he's all these things, but he doesn't have any of the qualifications because he's learnt them on the job or he's worked with people that have given him the knowledge. And I sort of say to him, well, do you want to do anything? He goes, well, I don't need it. You know, I, I just tell people this is what I am anyway because I know that I am. And I'm like, yeah, I get that. I said, but you know, wouldn't it be nice to have something to say that I'm officially this? Yeah. And he's the perfect example of like, well, it doesn't, it doesn't seem to matter. But I think maybe somewhere in the back of his mind, he goes, I probably deserve a bit of recognition for the stuff that I've done yeah. and the stuff that I've achieved. So it's, it's where like, you know, how do you, is there a presumed learning, prior learning when people do this training, you can go, well, yeah, you've done this for, you've done this for 20 years. Cause there's a lot of guys on building sites, a lot of laborers for carpenters that are carpenters themselves. Yeah. They just haven't done the four years yeah. apprenticeship. It's we, it's very difficult, isn't it? I think one of the one of the basic concepts of the vocational education system that was rewritten in the nineties was that concept of recognition of prior learning or yeah. recognition of current competency, which are little phrases that basically mean we're not going to teach you to suck eggs if you can already do that. Yeah. But, you know, we'll check, we'll assess you against <laughs> this standard and if you can, you know, jump over that hurdle high enough, we'll give you a bit of paper. Yeah. And that, there's this, you know, what you were talking about just reminded me of this big issue that's happening in um, Gippsland in Victoria at the moment with um, changes to the forestry industry and the logging of native forests. And a whole lot of um, people in logging communities are suddenly facing major changes in their work life. Um, and so there's this big project happening through a company that we work very closely with, Forest Works. Yep. Some of the people involved in timber flooring will have heard of them. They're um, very involved in a lot of the timber trades and we're going to be working with them um, around the furnishing industry as well. So remember the name, Forest Works. Um, but they have got a contract to work with the communities down in Gippsland to assess and recognise the skills of the forestry workers who now need to start thinking about something new and different. And, um, yeah, some of them may end up in landscaping, you mm. know, and, and they've got transferable skills. Mm. Um, you know, the flooring qualification, some of the skills in that field that are described in the qualification are about um, things that are not just about putting stuff on the ground you know yeah, some, some of it's about um business skills and and um quotes and you know making estimations yeah. um so you know those sort of things are really transferable and that's one of the basic concepts of the the vocational education system that there's 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 core subjects and there's electives and within within those structures there's a lot of transferable stuff you know health and safety is in all of these qualifications yeah. and you can learn about health and safety concepts and that will see you through to a whole lot of different industries and you know even the way you might renovate your back shed at home you know those those are basic skills that are taught within the vocational education system yeah well actually we're just having this um discussion around a fire on saturday night um caught up with a friend of mine, Scott Fennell from Fennell's Floor World up in Cannonball. And he was talking about um, silica. Uh, yeah. Obviously a huge thing now yeah. with um, the concrete yeah. grinders yeah, and yeah. um, stone masons yeah. and, and all that. And um, 
we're just discussing, you know, about all his PPE that he's, you know, he just spent twenty thousand dollars on upgrading his vacuums, his PPE, special filters, uh, ones that have to be regularly cleaned every three to six months. So there's all this sort of information that I guess when someone just goes, oh, I'm going to be a floor layer and I'll learn to lay floors, that unless you're really keeping up to date um, with your, I guess, information and studies and there's so much more to being a floor layer than just laying the floors. Um, yeah, that silica issue is something, you know, I talked about the, the furnishing training package and all the qualifications within that. That includes some uh, cabinet making, joinery, bathroom and kitchen um, cabinetry manufacture. And the silica dust issue is a big, a big thing. And we're looking now at, especially with all of the publicity around it recently, we're looking at, well, maybe something needs to change in some of those qualifications. And, you know, good training providers are already teaching that stuff. Yeah. You know, they're onto it. They probably knew it well before we heard about it on the ABC News. But the... Um, you know, not having it structured into a qualification means that some shonks might not teach that mm. stuff or, you know, someone might do a bit of a tick and flick and give them a bit of paper and, um, you know, a, a new worker gets out in the field and is like, oh, what do you mean I have to wear this filter? What's that about? You know, not understand concepts around silica dust. I mean, you know, look at how our changes in the way we operate with... Um, Asbestos has massively oh, yeah. changed, and and how many people have died horrible deaths because of mistakes and lack of knowledge and and lack of information. So, you know that sort of stuff that we at a place like um, Skills Insight, but any of the jobs at Skills Councils have to keep on top of all that stuff to yep. make sure that you know if we bounce from one industry to another. I mean, on Skills Insight, we work, like I said, a lot of primary industries, and I mentioned forest works and the forestry industry. We work a lot with agriculture, horticulture, seafood industry, animal care. Um, you know, we, we've got the meat processing qualification. We've, we've got lots of different industries that we work with, and we've, we've got to talk to a lot of people to keep ourselves um, over, over the issues that are going on. And, you know, s th some of them... There's common themes across all of them. Yeah. But, yeah, I think there are risks in just entering a trade field without a bit of paper and without formal training. But then again, you know, some people learn from a, an experienced person without a bit of paper and learn and become highly skilled yeah. and very successful. But I think, as you mentioned at the beginning, you know, part of the certification is also the upskilling. So, yes, there's good tradesmen and, yes, they can teach good skills, but if th them themselves are not upskilling and not keeping up to date, you know, we just mentioned um, silica, yep. if they're not keeping up to date with all the, the regulation changes, then they can't then pass that on, you know. Yeah. My, one of my biggest signs is you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. Um, so I truly believe, you know, my son's a qualified electrician um, and he studies every year, uh, just keeping up to date on new regulations and it's part of his business. You know, yes, he can run a cable and he can strip a, a bit of wire quicker than anyone I've seen um, and he can obviously pass that skill on. But making sure he's up to date with new regulations, um, we've got solar coming through and, um, you know, in the car industry now you've got, 
all these hydro energies, like it's changing all the time. Um, so I think, you know, that's also an important part for uh, our tradesmen in the flooring industry to know that, yeah. um, you know, this is the advantages of going and getting your certificate. You know, we know that you're a great tradesman. We know that, you know, you've been doing it for 20 years and you're encouraging people to come under and learn your skill. But it's that next level of being a business and also being responsible for people's lives, not only your own staff, but then the owner of the home where you're grinding the concrete in their house and exposing them to dust and knowing how to, you know, I guess hazmat that area or have a responsibility and, and, and an awareness of, of all this. So I think you've probably heard a word bandied about a lot over the last few years, micro-credentials. You know, the, the concept of, of having a short course to upskill, to, to fill in some gaps or um, to, to just add extra onto an existing qualification, um, you know, that's really taking off. A lot of, a lot of industries are talking more about um, not necessarily wanting another full qualification but to just have little things and, and we've developed um, skill sets to go with a whole lot of qualifications. So just a few subjects in um, one like a mini micro-credential mini qualification that if if a training provider delivers a skill set in some states that's fully funded yep. and I know that um, IBSA had worked with the flooring industry up until last year and released I think there's about 11 different skill sets that specifically talk to skills that the flooring industry needs so y- you know there's there's a skill set about resilient flooring um, there's one about resin flooring so people if if a training provider was able to offer that skill set and be funded to do it maybe or to, to find it financially viable, um, then then flooring experts could could go and, and upskill um, in a professional kind of way. That if, that's an interesting thing to talk about. There's a lot of issues around, um, you know, we develop the qualifications. We may even provide materials in future that can help a training provider to deliver, um, but if there's no money in it, they don't necessarily uh, want to start teaching um, a subject if there's not enough um, students. Uh, if they can't make it um, and make ends meet, you know, and, and a lot of industries talk to us, and I've certainly heard this around flooring, um, that there's not enough um, there's not enough students to make it worthwhile for more courses to be yep. available. And uh, and it's frustrating because the, the TAFE or the training providers won't necessarily change what they're doing or add certain subjects to their, to their program but because, you know, that costs money and that costs a lot of effort um, to have uh, – to develop materials or develop skills or to get trainers. You know, trainers, um, you know, they earn more money if they were actually laying floors than they would teaching other people to lay floors. Yeah. Um, so – those those are issues that are uh, we're hearing a lot more about those and and we're hoping that now as a jobs and skills council we'll be able to step in and start looking at at ways of resolving some of those issues maybe so what brought julie into this industry what, what what's your background i i started as a teenager my illustrious career working in the ces remember the job center yeah i do yeah and and looking back, God, I took that for granted. I had great training. 
I got opportunities to learn about a whole lot of different industries and jobs and I got to talk to people, all sorts of people. It was amazing. Um, what a great job. And I sort of weaseled my way into training while I was, you know, sort of, oh, I think I was 15 years in that department. Wow. And, um, you know, young country kid, moved to Melbourne, front counter, Footscray CES at a time when there was a massive influx of people from wars and war zones. Um, so it was culture shock and, you know, I remember I was wearing clothes um, that I'd worn to school the year before <laughs> 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 and um, trying to learn how to look after myself and cook. And, and so, you know, a few years into that and I got into workplace training and then I really enjoyed it. You know, I found that the education side of things um, was really something I loved doing and, and you know, can talk a lot. And so <laughs> <laughs> it, it meant that I found myself moving in a world of workplace training. And so I wasn't working in a TAFE or training school. Um, I was working specifically around skills in various workplaces. And then um, when I started to get a little bit, oh, I won't say bored, but a little bit bland, I think, I, I kind of started realising I could write and develop rather than have to stand up the front and smile. Uh, maybe maybe I just got old and grumpy and I didn't want to smile so much. But I found writing was um, and developing programs, programs learning yeah, programs sure. was really where it, um, where it was at for me. And, and I actually, I ended up, I did it overseas as well. I went and worked in Asia for a while in a few different fields. And I've, I've done that kind of work, you know, with, with lawyers, with union officials, with carpenters, you know, I worked in the construction um, industry for a while and developing materials and um, structures and programs that um, allowed people to learn on the job and and that meant you know working with a whole lot of different people you know I worked in a university with people from First Nations communities I worked with warehouse managers you know, uh, all sorts of different things and and I, I look back now and think that grounding of working in the CES and and visiting factories and jobs and talking to people about jobs and and trying to fill you know and labor markets was such a good basis if you know anyone who sort of looks like about my age and worked in the ces in the 80s they'll say the same thing oh my god we were so lucky it's truly the front line it really uh, was yeah. and um yeah it's not the same anymore yeah it's just you tell kids today they don't believe you and um the the sort of movement in workplace training brought me into this world of vocational education. I mean, I did dabble in, I was a training manager in a private um, registered training organisation for a while. That's really hard work. Mm. Really hard, just keep your head above above water in, in those areas. Um, but working in, in what was then called a skills service organisation just really um, brought a whole lot of those skills together. You know, so the talking to people, writing stuff, visiting, finding out about different industries. For the, for the first five or so years of my work with Skills Impact, which is now Skills Insight, yep. um, was around food and beverage industry. 
And um, so, a hard job, but someone's got to go and visit all those distilleries. Yeah. <laughs> and those breweries and those cheese factories. It makes sure all the food and yeah. wine is Just tasting to good. Check. Yes, absolutely. So, I mean, look, we did. There were one of my favorite. I say this often, but one of my favorite projects was the development of qualifications for craft beer. Right. Because you know, it came from a big one of the really big breweries. They said we're partnering up with a whole bunch of small craft breweries, um, but they don't have any qualifications. Mm. They, there's nothing in TAFE. And there was actually something in TAFE, but it was not not specifically for making beer and it was only run in Sydney and Adelaide. And so so we worked for a couple of years with a lot of small breweries and the, the industry associations and developed a qualification um, and... And that's now in the process of being delivered. You know, the ma- people came together and wrote up course materials and assessment materials, and and now that's out there. And so, it'll, it you know, it's a long term thing. It takes a few years before you actually see someone walk out the door with a bit of paper in their hand that says, "I'm a craft brewer." But um, you know, that's the sort of that's the sort of exciting project. That That'd I'm be popular enjoying. now. God. It's it's you know, there's more people working in craft yeah. brewing than there is working at. 4X or CUB, so um, mm. it's an interesting There's a field. lot on the Gold Coast, a lot of craft breweries on the Gold Coast. Yeah. Like every and block. Yeah. It's the same in Melbourne, I'm sure. But Queensland government had a really strong um, policy. There, there was a program specifically around encouraging craft beer, um, craft <laughs> brewing, and um, and it was really successful. And, mm. and you know, the, I know the Queensland TAFE were working really hard on getting some brewing training up and running. Mm. Yeah, it's great. It's really interesting. But um, we've now transitioned. You know, Ibsa now looks after food and beverage. Um, and we at Skills Insight, um, in turn, have taken over the textiles, clothing and footwear industries and furnishings. And, and that's where flooring sits, yeah. the furnishing. And so w- we're learning a whole lot. We're meeting a whole lot of new people. We're going to be working closely with Forest Works yeah. around the furnishings and also textiles. Um, but they and with Forest Works we work around the pulp and paper industry and the um, forestry industry and, and we also like I said we work around a lot of um, agriculture and horticulture and, and in in that sense we work closely with uh, the National Farmers Federation um, as well in looking after all of that. But you know it's pretty exciting as um, a brand new Jobs and Skills Council. It's all sort of new. It's almost some of what we're doing is setting up a bit like a startup. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it's just that this, the faces are the same old faces. Well, I guess that was the next part is that like it, it is brand new. It's a huge brief, but it seems to be quite brand new. So brand new. You've, what's the plan? Oh, the dust is still settling. Yeah. We're not quite sure what the plan looks like, but um, we're we're – Rearranging into different roles and working out who's going to look after which different industry and what work needs to be done. You know, I mean, we're not going to start opening up um, the flooring qualification and changing things because it only just was released just before Christmas yep. uh, 22. So, we're, you know, if we – unless there was some massive drama and something needed to be changed, we're not going to start working on changing any of that Um because there'd be an uproar, um, especially from t- training providers who'd have to redo all their paperwork. But the expectation would be in a couple of years we'll be looking at it and going, okay, let's see, what else are you doing? You know, what are you doing that's different? And I bet there'll be new ways of operating, new, you know, s- sustainability and, and that whole circular economy stuff is a really big thing and I'm sure that 
there's a whole lot of sustainable ways of working that are now becoming normal in the flooring industry. Um, you know, whether it's about working with different types of products or having to be very careful of, you know, silicosis and, and sustaining life rather than um, anything. But, you know, the, the, the changes that are constantly happening, we've got to keep up with that. Or, you know, what was it in the 90s? Keating used to talk about a banana republic and, um, and how, you know, if we're not careful, we'll fall backwards and, and start, you know, the world will move ahead without us. Mm, we'll, yeah. we'll, all of this stuff is about keeping up. Yeah, well, it sounds like really exciting times for the flooring industry and I'm excited. You know, it's what I'm passionate about, which obviously everyone knows. To, so to, you know, have you on and hear all the exciting people being involved and now really passionate behind the flooring industry because it felt like for a long time the flooring industry has just been left behind. Um, you know, we're the last trade in. <clears throat> and it seems like we're the last trade to be oh, educated yeah. and certified and all that as well, and to have such passionate people. Yeah, I think um, I think it's um you know part part of the focus for us at Skills Insight. You know, we're we're a values driven organisation, and we're very strong on on values around sharing and collaborating and making sure that voices are heard, and and not just listening to the loudest, yep. or the richest. You know, we're not swayed by who's got the money. We often do find that the loudest voice in a – say if we're having a consultation uh, workshop talking about the development of something um, and and there's some people, you know, banging their fists on the table and saying it's got to be this way, well, we're going to go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, great, thanks. That's really great to see your passion and your, your involvement. I'm just going to go and ask these people over here mm. as well. Yeah. Um, because, you know, otherwise we end up with situations where an industry just doesn't end up using all – like the, the, the system's got to be national. It's got to be nationally accredited. It's got to be acceptable, totally like I said, from, from Hobart up to Darwin. Yeah. And it's got, to, it's got to work in regional areas as well as in big centres of the universe like Melbourne. Yeah, and I think you're right. I think the flooring industry has been that little quiet people in the corner – uh, that no one's looked at and <coughs> obviously haven't had the funding or anything before to be able to bang their fists mm. on the table. Mm. Um, so, you know, it's really good to see um, people now coming in and bringing light to the flooring industry um, because, as we said, it, there's floor layers in every single home that's being built. So every other trade is in the same home as what the floor layers are in. Mm. And, you know, I think we're now at the forefront of seeing it really progress forward. And, and, and there's a bunch of different industry associations in your industry, right? A few peak bodies. And my role now is to get out there and find who they are, get them yep. on my mailing list, get them signed up as members um, yep. to Skills Insight, which is really just um, free and, you know, it's just like an online um, form so that we're, we've got you in our loop so that we can let you know if something's happening, if there's changes afoot or if there's an opportunity to have a say about something. You know, so we want to make sure that the, the peak bodies are yep. aligned but also um, the employers, the people who actually employ the flooring workers yep. um, know who we are and also the training providers know who we are so that they can come to us and say, um, oh, you know, we're, we're finding this is happening or – we need to talk to some people who actually lay f- carpet and um, we don't actually know any. And so, you know, we can put mm. put the 
bits together of the Absolutely. jigsaw. Well, I think what we've what we've done today is we've we've developed a, a relationship and another information resource, yeah. which I think is essential to training and upskilling in not only in this industry but in in every in every industry. And I think that anyone that's listening that wants to get in touch with uh, Skills Insight, ch- check them out on the website skillsinsight.com.au. skillsinsight.com.au. Yeah. We'll have all the notes uh, and all the contacts in the show notes. Julie, it's been amazing. I'll tell you what, I, I didn't know what to expect when I walked in this morning. No, me neither. But we've learned a lot. Well, neither did I. <laughs> I didn't know what I was walking into. Yeah, it gets a bit you scary. Really, when, you did really well. It gets a little bit scary when you walk into the room that's all completely soundproofed. <laughs> Especially when it's called the panic the room. The panic room. Well, there's a lack of panic. And a big, it's, a big four hammer sitting in the corner. Oh, this is it, you know. Four I get, hammer. Yeah. Guitar. Yeah. But Julie, thank you so much for joining us. I look, we've taken enough of your time this morning. I know you've got an amazing car ride with Michael in your future. Which the sooner you get started, the sooner he, it will be I'm over. I'm really hoping he's got a '57 Chev. <laughs> well, he doesn't. No, sorry, I, yeah. I drive a Ford. Yeah, he does. He does. <laughs> okay, we've got to do the fast five with Julie before she leaves us. Beach or bush? What do you prefer? Um, bush. Bush. Wow, okay, okay. Mm. Yeah, with Michael. Michael just moved to the bush. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One movie for the rest of your life. <gasps> um, oh, uh, <laughs> oh, what was that? I can't think of it. That Zach Braff movie that I just absolutely loved. Called something. I'll come back to it. Okay. There, there was this great movie that I just loved that was... Who's in it? Zach, Zach Braff. Braff. I okay. don't know why it just hit me, you know, it got yeah. me in the gut. Okay. All right. I'll have a think about that as well. Okay. Spray on or roll on? <laughs> <laughs> We're getting invasive here now. Roll on is so much more environmentally sound. How good's roll on? Yeah. It's the best. It's the best. <laughs> I just love that feeling. Get out of and you're just rolling it on. You're like, ah. Oh. That's like, it. Like refreshing. Yeah. Thank you, Michael. That was creepy. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> okay, home or abroad? Travelling. Oh, abroad. Yeah. Always. Yeah. I've only yeah. been home for a couple of weeks from the last one. Yeah, okay. And last one, one food. One food, yeah. cheese. Oh, no, cheese, oh. wine. No, wait. <laughs> well, oh, they sort of go... They, 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 cheese and wine. They sort of go in... in, in food and drink. Consult, don't yeah. they? My wife's massive on cheese. Massive on cheese. I don't know what it cheese. is. It's like, I don't know, dopamine. I don't know, just... Makes me happy, makes me fat, but makes me happy. Well, you know, we're usually at our happiest when we're at our fattest. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing that makes us happy is good for us. I'll give you the tip. But thank you so much, and we look, we hope to uh, get you back on in the future and, and sure. talk more about what's going on because obviously Absolutely. the dust hasn't settled. No. And once it does and you've got an idea, more of a clearer path about what's yeah. going on, although you do, but obviously there's a bit of work to be done. We'll be back. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time, Julie. Uh, yeah, Michael. Thank you, thank you Julie. Uh, MVP as always. Well done. No, thank you. Thank you. Uh, stay in tune with the underlay. We'll be back on in another fortnight with another exciting guest. Speak soon. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to The Underlay. If you want to hear more, Follow us on all good podcast platforms.